Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. I'm LZ Granderson, and this is Life Out Loud. You know how good it feels to be seen? I mean, like, really seen? I felt that way after hearing T.S. Madison's rant about vegans messing up her soul food. These people come around here talking about something. They vegans and things, and they vegetarians and all that. That ain't got nothing to do with me. That's your choice. Y'all chose to go out there and start eating them flowers and things. Uh, 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 a fresh mold lawn. Don't y'all come in my house trying to take the flavors away from my food. Because ain't nothing like a pork shoulder. That clip gave me so much life, and it's not because I have a thing against vegetables, I really don't, like I love me some collard greens and stuff, but it was because my son came home from college one year talking about he was a vegan, and I had to try to figure out how to make seafood Alfredo without the seafood or the Alfredo. And I was like, ain't there some, like, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> anyway, that's just one of the reasons why I love me some Maddie. She's just real with it. She may not be corporate or PC, you know, check it. She ain't trying to be corporate or PC, and that's amazing. She's just being real. She's being herself. And sometimes that realness come out in hilarious ways. And sometimes it comes from the trauma that she's had to overcome. And sometimes it's just her natural ability to walk into a space and know what that space needs in order to pop and then be that missing ingredient. She's done that on RuPaul's Drag Race. She did that in the movie Zola, where she's in one scene praying for a man with good credit. I mean, who doesn't want a man with good credit? Father, we are asking you humbly today to send us these things. Send us these things. And she's doing it on her own variety show, Turns Out with T.S. Madison, which debuted on Fox Soul in January. And I'm here for that show. And not just because of the topics, but because of her approach to them. You know, there's a scene in the barbershop in which the conversation is about if and or when should a transgender woman tell a cisgender man that's interested in her that she's trans. And I'll admit, I mean, there were moments in that conversation that made me really uncomfortable. But there were also moments that made me laugh and more importantly, think. That's what I love about her. One of the things that makes me so angry is when people say, oh, you couldn't love yourself because you, you went out there and botched your body up. You've done all this stuff. You know, you and I hear yes, some, a yes, lot of the same thing. Yes. You've botched up your body. You've done this stuff. And you're like, no, I'm just blossoming into who I feel that I am. Yes. Yeah, some of her videos on social media can be a bit raw. And trust, we couldn't include everything in this conversation. <laughs> but underneath all of that colorful language is a greater truth that many people would rather ignore. But T.S. Madison, she's making it really hard for us to ignore. In addition to her new variety show, 
Her reality TV show, T.S. Madison, is on WeTV. And Maddie is part of the cast of Billy Eichner's romantic comedy, Bros, which is set to be released this summer. I really love talking with her. And I hope you enjoyed listening to her. Thank you again for just, you know, agreeing to play in our sandbox because, you know, honey, you have blown up so much over the past 18 to 24 months that it's just been nothing but a joy for me to, to, to see it. Cause I'm, I'm like, I'm like, yes, finally, the world is starting to open up so that it's allowing more voices from different perspectives and different sensibilities to occupy space. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. instead of like begging for a seat at the table, you've kind of made your own table and say, so y'all can come sit with me if you want to, but this is that, what I'm doing. Listen, that's how it works. And I, I think that, I think that what, what people uh, should have a great takeaway from me is, um, is that <laughs> you got to fit in my world now. Yeah. And I'm just in my world talking. You got to come in and get you a seat, girl. And I'm going to open it up to everything else so that you can come in and get you a piece. But uh, this is my world. I haven't conformed at all. Um, LZ, I haven't changed. I'm still vulgar. I'm still loud, live, and in color. You still get that unfiltered TS. You get what you get. It's either you're going to consume it or you're not. I don't know about you, but because I feel blessed to have this platform, I also feel a tremendous amount of responsibility. Yes. Do you feel responsible for representing your community? Uh, You know, unfortunately I do. And I say, unfortunately, because everything that I say is not always right. And then there, there are times that I get a lot of pushback from the community, but here's the, the upside to that. I never go into a space thinking I know everything. Mm. I always mm-hmm. go into the space of talking about, what my experiences have been and with an open mind to receive other people's experiences and also, you know, also talk from a place of vulnerability, like, okay, well, this has been my experience with, with a situation. However, there are other voices out there who might've had similar things, but it might not be, you know, you know, their experience, but I'm willing to learn from that, which shows people outside of our community. Well, you know, maybe I need to be more receptive to walking with someone on their journey. Maybe I need to be more receptive to doing that. Like maybe I don't know it all and maybe I can uh, listen to someone else's journey or whatever, you know. Here's what's the bit, the good thing about me. I never claim to be the uh, the community guru because I sit up there and be like, child, I'm still learning the oldest pronoun stuff. <laughs> hold up now, hold up now. Which, which letter trips you up? Because we have a lot. Like Ooh. LGBTQ rolls off the tongue, and then what happens? Well, it's the identities for me. It's the non-binary, the gender non-conforming, the, mm-hmm. you know, it's all of that and, and still uh, getting down to the pronouns. Like I'm, 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 I'm almost about to master the they and them. I'm almost about to master it. I'm still in that process of getting it together because, you know, like they and them would be like plural, you know? Right. But I'm mastering that. So, you know, you know what I I love about you, especially in this conversation right now, is because there is sort of this assumption that if you're of the community and you have a platform that you have it all down Mm -mm. and that you don't trip up. Mm -mm. And when you do trip up, 
I don't know about you, but I feel terrible because I might be the only voice from this community that someone is hearing and I didn't get it right. But I love the fact that you're giving yourself grace. Yeah, I do. I give myself grace and I also give grace to other people because there, there are times that other people who are are willingly trying still mess up, you know, but I also come in with the willingness to learn and understand like Laverne and, and Janet and Hope and, you know, Angelica, they can tell you the number of trans women that have been murdered in the last 30 days. I can't tell you that because mm-hmm. I'm still over here absorbing and receiving. I'm coming to you telling the story of a girl who's all, who was almost killed or, 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 or who has survived an attempted murder against her life. I'm coming to you. Anytime I occupy space, I, I try to occupy space coming solely from my experience. Is that traumatic experience? Is the trauma from that experience behind you, walks with you, or is it still haunting you? Uh, it's it's all three at the same time. It's behind me. Uh, it walks with me, which makes me, uh, when I say walks with me, it makes me very cautious of men. Like I'm very cautious like as many as as much as I want to, you know, meet people, I'm very cautious of that. And, you know, and it walks with me because, you know, I treat everybody. I treat every man that way. Like you have the potential to murder me. For those who don't know your story, particularly this part that we're talking about, are you comfortable sharing as much of that experience for those listeners so they can kind of catch up to speed as yes. to what you've been through and what you speak of? Yeah, well, I, I am not shy to talk about that, you know, even though it's not a part of my life now that I am a former uh, sex worker. Like I've been involved deeply and heavily into sex work all the way back to um, I, I, I used to walk the streets before I, I started getting into escorting. And this is what city? This was in Miami. Okay. Um, I've lived in Atlanta for the past almost 20 years, so I haven't walked the streets in years, honey. And, you know, I'm, I'm producing television and stuff now, so that's a whole different thing. But uh, I used to be a sex worker deeply into it. I walked the streets. I graduated from walking the streets to working um, the magazines and papers, like through being a call girl, and graduated from that to doing adult film and um, uh, movies. And so, you know, it's been different levels of, of introduction to men. Like I've met men in different spaces, like even though it's the same man, but each place had a different type of man. Like mm-hmm. when I walked the streets, I was in so much danger, like so, so much danger. Uh, you know, it was easy for the men to come solicit my services and then, you know, leave me dead on the street. Uh, or ride around in the car and and and, and rob me. And it was the same amount of danger uh, when I moved up to working from the being a call girl from the advertisements, from the papers and and the and the magazines and the little internet stuff. Like you know, when I moved into that arena, you know, girls were being murdered at a high rate too because you know we had the the, the men were coming to our homes, and this is how a lot of times the girls were being found dead, you know, in in their homes, killed them in their home. So it's 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 an insane situation when you uh, really sit back and think about it. A lot of girls have been um, subjected to survival sex. Like I was definitely one of those girls that was subjected to survival sex. And I say that society created that job for me because when I wanted to be a, a air quotes upstanding citizen, I was transitioning very young. I was transitioning 27 years ago when it, when, when it was extremely, extremely taboo. And, and 
also, you know, you showing up to work, your name is Timothy and you're showing up to work as Chanel or Tasha or Tamika. And, you know, you're still in your transitioning process. You haven't mastered that yet. Like some girls have that luxury of, of, of being so femme, looking so feminine that they sh- air quotes again, should have been born a woman. But then there are some girls that have to break that man down. Mm-hmm. And I was one of those girls that had to break that man down, girl, honey. And I, I'm I'm there with my hair on and my lipstick and I still got a slight little, you know, little stubble on the chin. <laughs> I haven't got the foundation down packed. Like I, I'm a little orange or, or gray. And, you know, these are things that mm-hmm. clocks you. Like people are clocking you like, that's a, a, a man, you know? Right. And you're going into the job and you just, you're trying to live. You, you, I'm, I'm still have broad shoulders and strong because the hormones haven't kicked all the way in to break me down yet. So I'm not as passable as I am now, but you go into the workplace like this and like, you just want to go to work, but you're causing lots of commotion because everybody around, I've worked a lot of call center jobs. So everybody around you can't keep their, you know, mind. They can't on, figure out what's going on. can't figure out what's going on because, you know, right. there's this man in here that's just like, a, that's, uh, there's air quotes again. There's this man in here dressed like a woman. And like, you're not a man dressed like a woman. You are a trans woman. You are blossoming into your new, your new life. And so, you know, I end up getting terminated because these people can't, you know, accept it. Then as the transition goes on and you're getting, you mastering your transition and you're looking good and your body is coming together and you got hips and somebody's screaming out that on, on your lunch break, that's a man. Mm. So it's, you're damned either way you go. And what are you going to do for a living if every job is firing you for that? Or what are you going to do for a living if, if, if every job is telling you, take all of that off so that you don't disrupt the other people? Take that off. Take your life off to make everybody else over here comfortable. Why? So I can pay my light bill, so I can pay my rent. Right. How do you get to the place where you can extend grace to people who made your life a living hell? Ah. Well, you you get to that point because you start walking into your authenticity and, you know, you you really look around and you see that there are there are so many different stories of transition and so many different stories of, of, of LGBT experiences. And, and you know that you're not one voice and 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 you get to extend grace to these people because you see that you can make mistakes even within your own community. And so you can extend some amount of grace to people who was outside of your community, who you're trying to, you know, educate on your experience and, 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 and you see them with the willingness to learn and they make a little mistake and you're like, okay, I can extend that grace to you because I'm still learning in my own experience. So, you know, I can give you a little bit. Now, if you're, if you're just willingly being ignorant or just like willingly saying, if his mama call him clay, I'm a call him clay. You like, nah, his right. mama might call him Clay, but she called herself Keisha. And this is who her identity is. Respect her identity. Don't go to telling me about what his mama said or her mom, or, you know, don't do that. Talk to me about you hearing me and listening to me and understanding that I have redefined myself. When you come out of the womb, there's already definitions for you. Right. And the definition is if you're born male, you are to be the man, rear a family, uh, go to college, 
be the breadwinner, be the dominant, be the masculine, be the sir, be the mister, be the when and when in actuality, some of us might have been been born male, however, but our identity, our gender identity might be female, like or or you know. Mine, my gender identity is trans. Like I like being in between the, I like scrattling the fence with it, honey. I like being on both. <laughs> so you're trying to make me sweat now. Yeah, I like being on both sides of the fence. I like walking the line, baby. <laughs> you know, that's why I haven't had the SRS, but that's down. That's just a little bit down the line in our conversation. But this is why, you know, you tell people I've redefined myself. Like my mother named me, I didn't get an opportunity to name myself. Right. I wouldn't have named myself after my raggedy daddy. Now I have the opportunity to be like, okay, this is me. Hi, Mm -hmm. good afternoon. My name is Madison Hinton. Yes, I was born October 22nd, 1977, but my pronouns are she, her, and hers. I identify as a trans woman. I was a sex worker in the sex industry, whatever. I'm no longer that. I am now a television producer, an actress, a comedian, you know, and an, an, an overall entertainer. Like now I have the opportunity to restructure the narrative because I have the control. For me, I think about my upbringing, skinny, closeted black kid in inner city Detroit. And I look around today and I hear Deborah Cox in my head saying, how did you get here? Mm-hmm. You ever do that? And if so, what's the answer? There are times I do. But I knew because the spirit had told me, I, I, my spirit has walked with me from inception. And my spirit told me as a child that I was going to be something. And I remember myself sitting on the floor in Indian style with my legs just folded watching television. And I didn't know how I was going to get into that box. When I really take the time and the moments to sit back and reflect on the silent prayers that I know that I prayed when I was in the times of danger, walking the the streets, or when I was standing on in between cars, standing on the corner, leaning up against the walls with my arms folded, praying to the heavens and God above Jesus and everything that rules spirituality saying, God, this can't be it for me. There has to be something better for me. There has, there, you gotta have something for me. And for me to fast forward now and to be, and then thinking like, I'm, I'm, I prayed a prayer and I'm living that prayer at this exact moment and all the obstacles and all the things and all the near death experiences, because I've had, let me, let me move the microphone very close to me. I've had many, many, many near-death experiences where I was going to lose my life at the hands of a man. And for me uh, to still persevere, be a Hollywood actress, being cast in huge movies, being having her own television show, negotiating deals, having control over my career, you, me, realize that your life is a part of something that is ordained and and from the divine. Amen. It is it's a part of divinity. Like I have no control over it, none. All you can do is receive. That's it, and that's where I am right now in my spot. So since you've brought it up, yes, SRS. I don't want it because I'm I'm listen. Completion comes at the in the mind. I've been complete for a long, a very long time. I've been 
happy with myself. And I, it's just, and no one is going to make me go out into the world and say, well, in order, in order for you to be a real trans woman, you have to cut off or you have to invert your penis to be at one with your transness. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not pressured into that. I don't, I'm not, I'm at one with all parts of me. God gave me all this. I just added the extra. So my question then with that being said, is that obviously there's a lot of fascination in the general population Mm -hmm. with that part of transness. Mm -hmm. And for some people who happen to be trans, they talk about the emphasis on genitalia, if you will, dehumanizes a person. Do you find these conversations that we have, particularly in, you know, in mainstream media about surgery, um, dehumanizing? Well, for me, because I come from a sex work background, no. Um, but that's me. You know, there are some, there are lots of trans women who find it dehumanizing and find men to objectify us because there are some men who are attracted to us having, you know, breasts and penis at the same time, you know, but how could we maneuver through the world without sexuality or, or attraction? How could we maneuver through that? There's no way around it. I don't care how mind and body and soul connected we are. Um, with somebody, sexuality matters. Genitalia matters. It's when it becomes, you know, over fascinated with it that it becomes a problem, but it does matter. Like I want my partner, when we get together, I want him not to want me because I have a penis. I want him to want me because he wants me, but I also want him to enjoy that I have that. I want him to enjoy me in totality. I want him to enjoy all of me. And if I would have had an SRS, I would I would have wanted him to enjoy that too. So this is why it's important that we have genitalia conversations. It's important because everybody has a different attraction to whatever it is. So with that being said, then, even though there are more opportunities for trans people in general, but trans women specifically, mm-hmm. is Hollywood doing it right, in your opinion? Uh, Hollywood does have a long way to go. Hollywood needs to continue to cast more trans people for trans roles. How has your experience been? You just finished a project. I did. I just finished. I just finished a project for Universal Pictures. Uh, I'm, I'm in a movie coming out August the 12th. It's called Bros. Uh, it's a Billy Eichner film that I'm principal cast in. Yes. So you're not going to just see me in a, in a cameo. I'm in principal cast in the movie. Um, I play a black trans woman. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a black trans woman. If you were a white trans woman, I would have to talk to Billy. Yes, like, I'm not sure if you did I that I almost right. auditioned for that white trans woman. I, I almost <laughs> did. But I, I, I am, I'm that. And, and, and there was a movie that I played in before I got cast. I mean, a Netflix film that's coming out. Um, it's called The Perfect Fine. It's uh, from the book, The Perfect Fine, from a Black author. Uh, Gabrielle Union produced the movie. I have a great scene with her. I'm I'm playing a woman in that, which I am a Black trans woman, so I still fall under the woman umbrella. So it's like, you know, so I've been myself. I've, I've just been myself. And, you know, I identify as trans, but I'm also, I fall under the woman umbrella, so I can be a Black woman too. Yes. Maddie, thank you so, so much for your time. All right, my baby. Thank you. Y'all be good. (laughs) Thank you again, Maddie, for your wisdom and grace. 
After the break, we're going to dive in a little bit deeper with an academic whose life work has been all about these issues. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Does anyone here know the lyrics? Taylor Swift, the Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Wow, there was so much there to unpack from Maddie in that conversation. And we were really wanting to dive into not just the general sort of conversation of the LGBTQ community, but really specifically what trans people of color face every day in American society. And so we turn to Dr. Julian Kavan Glover, who's a trans academic activist, performer, and professor of gender, sexuality, and women's study at Virginia Commonwealth University. They've done tons of research on black, brown, queer cultural formations, performance, embodied knowledge, and performance theory. We didn't think anyone would be better in terms of helping to get a better understanding of what girls like Maddie are facing. Dr. Glover, thank you so much for joining us. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway from hearing our conversation with Maddie? One of the first things that I really um, found very striking is this notion of passing. Hmm. You know, I've always been very critical of this notion and I'm thinking about, and I, and I continue to think about passing alongside Madison as a kind of double-edged sword because on the one hand, it enhances trans people's ability to protect ourselves from all kinds of anti-trans violence, anti-black violence, misogynistic kind of violence, right? And the intersections of all of those at the same time as it limits our own kind of ability to develop idiosyncratic visions of our own gender embodiments, right? And and it's definitely for the sake of legibility and recognition. It feels as if, and I'm on the outside looking in, so forgive me if I'm you know out of bounds here, 
But it feels as if there's somewhat of a civil war within the trans community that is being mm-hmm. defined mm-hmm. by respectability politics. Absolutely. Is, is, is that true or am, am I oversimplifying things? No, um, Elsa, you're not some oversimplifying things at all. Respectability, when we're talking about community here, I'm specifically thinking about um, brown and black um, trans women for whom many folks have had a very contentious relationship respect, with respectability because respectability politics as practice um, suggests that trans women writ large can never, by definition, can never be respectable, mm-hmm. one. Um, but two, you also have um, respectability politics that I think um, have really undergirded the development of you know, what I've termed in another paper, transnormativity here, where this idea that the normative kinds of trans person is somebody who purposefully distances themselves from all kinds of sex work, right? And and upholds particular aspects of respectability through um, dress, grooming, clothing, you know, and behavior that are um, akin to white Western ideals that were established in the Victorian era. So yeah, there's definitely very much quite a bit of tension, I would say, within communities. And that's not the only thing. Some folks talk about respectability, but there's also this concept that comes from ballroom that, that I think really permeates the way that we understand transness and the way that we understand who trans women are and this idea is one of realness mm-hmm. right if you've heard of this right yes serving so, realness and and it's like how are you serving realness if you have stubble exactly exactly and and realness as defined by scholar marlon bailey is the strategic minimization or elimination of any deviation from gender norms, mm-hmm. right? So that means that even as folks are transitioning, yeah, so the stubble as Ma- as Madison was talking about, you know, m- would mean that somebody could get clocked, right? Or, or could get right. found out um, in a way that I think um, really, again, limits particular kinds of vision for what it means to be trans, who can be trans, and also creates a kind of hierarchy, if you will, where at the top of the hierarchy, you know, are the girls who um, desire and are, are able to achieve looking like um, cisgender women, where, you know, I know so many folks who are very much trans, you know, and, and have no desire to um, be real in that way. Yet their ability to be part of their own communities often is defined by how real they are because if they are not real enough that means that there are some other girlfriends who don't necessarily want to be out in public with them or who only want to be seen in certain spaces Mm -hmm. and for me that's really 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 troubling even though i can also you know see just how necessary for particular survival in certain places that realness feels you know i don't want to ever diminish that either, you know, that that for some folks, realness really does um, feel like life or death. And I also have to take into consideration, you know, the people who I know and love who have said to hell with it, to hell with realness. I'm going to be me on my terms. This is incredibly nuanced, incredibly complicated, Mm -hmm. and more importantly, organic and still evolving. Yes, yes. With all that being said, is it making it more difficult for the trans community in particular to reach this level of acceptance and embracing and inclusion in society 
when it feels as if the community is is still trying to define what it means to be trans in and of itself. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I mean, you know, LZ, I have to be honest with you and say that I understand the desire to um, have one's gender embodiment understood, recognized, and rendered legitimate or legible, you could say, to the larger society. I understand how that it's alluring because of the promise of protection, the promise Mm -hmm. of protection there. But in my experience, the reality is that there are still so many trans women, regardless of how real they are, you know, are still dying in dying um, mm-hmm. in so many different kinds of ways, so many different kinds of um, just just heinous kinds of deaths. And um, and for me, what that means is that perhaps we should rethink our you know collective investment in rendering ourselves recognizable or legible because it does not guarantee that we will be safe. And you know, in my experience, this idea of safety, particularly for black folks, is an illusion. It remains an illusion. Right. And the other thing that I think is really um, that places trans people inside a kind of antagonistic relationship with the United States and the world at large is that a lot of the way that we move throughout the world is all about what Madison said, constantly defining and redefining ourselves. And so it, it moves against this idea of identity. I really lament at the kind of proliferation, if you will, of this idea of gender identity. Because for me, identity indicates some kind of static, stable, or fixed understanding of oneself. And, you know, uh, for the people whom I know and am in community with, our ideas of ourselves are always changing. And guess what? That is okay. But society makes that uh, makes that out to be a problem because it wants to be able to understand us without us changing so that it can surveil at the end of the day. I would like to shift gears just for a second because, you know, you presented two pieces of statistics that when Mm -hmm. I saw those numbers, I just kept reading them over and over again. And then I had to Google to make sure that you weren't lying because I was like, (laughs) (laughs) sounds incredible. One is that the Mm -hmm. annual income of a trans woman is about $10,000. And then the second is that the average life expectancy is 30 years old. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the first number. How did you get to that number of $10,000? And is that including, you know, the sex work that isn't documented? Mm -hmm. Well, certainly that number does not include um, um, sex work, of course, because it is still understood to be illegal. Right. So um, it it definitely would not be counted in um, the kinds of statistics that those numbers are coming from. Um, I will say, and it's important to note that that $10,000, that's $2,000 less than the official federal poverty line. And that speaks to a number of exclusions, if you will, that trans women of color often deal with in society. Exclusions in employment, exclusions in healthcare, exclusions in public accommodations, right? Exclusions um, in educational settings, right? So it's a multiple causation here and it culminates in the girls not being able to make nearly as much money as they absolutely, you know, should and need to. It really just reveals all the different ways that um, folks in in, um, my communities um, remain marginalized, despite 
the proliferation of all the various kinds of representation you know, of, of trans women that we have seen, particularly over the last years, oh, last few years with shows like Pose, you know, um, in particular. So it's really still um, very much a, a problem in my eyes. But again, the thing about it is that the girls have developed some amazing strategies, tactics and tools to circumvent this, what seems like a stark reality, which is that. And then the other um, certainly when we're thinking about the average life expectancy as well, which is really actually somewhere between 35 and 37 years old. When you talk about the life expectancy, how much of that has to do with health, mm-hmm. as in they aren't able to have access to the same sort of health care that the larger society does have? And a lot of that comes from being able to hold down a job that offers that kind of health care, Right. And how much of that is based upon the violence that's mm-hmm. inherent to mm-hmm. um, some of the, the spaces that they occupy? Yeah, um, I, again, here, I think it's um, multiple causation. So there's a way that is definitely about um, the lack of robust health care. Another chapter of my dissertation really was focusing on trans women of color's relationship to health care. And the girls were telling me when the girls do get access to healthcare, there's often an overemphasis on HIV as their primary concern, primary issue, where yes, um, you know, rates of HIV are quite high in the community, but that does not mean that there are not other very significant life-altering kinds of considerations about healthcare that also need to be taken into consideration, right? Like affordable and free access to um, hormone replacement therapy, affordable access to um, breast augmentation and gender affirmation kinds of surgeries, right, as well. But again, there tends to be an overemphasis on HIV. Uh, And then the other number of 30 years old, the life expectancy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even when folks do have access to um, more robust health care through their jobs or through um, um, Medicare or other kinds of means. There is a way that just the kinds of violence that the girls are often exposed to renders them um, particularly vulnerable, um, more so than um, I think people really like to admit. Um, one of the areas that the vulnerability to me is most clear, intimate partner kind of violence. You know, many of the girls who we know over these last few years who have been murdered were not murdered by complete and total strangers. They were murdered by um, intimate partners, folks who they called um, lovers, you know, um, folks who they knew as lovers or clients, right? And, And to me, that speaks to another type of violence altogether. And that is the violence of being in relation with with folks who again who want to um, experience or want to have a particular experience and who are then not able to sit with themselves mm-hmm. and with okay well what does this experience with this say about my own gender about my own sexuality right because and, and we know that it is often the case that the girls are are getting murdered when their partners um, essentially are found out when people find out that they are, you know, with this trans woman, they can't sit with themselves. You see what I'm saying? They, they can't deal with themselves in 
particular kinds of ways. And I think that um, their inability to do that is is very quickly made external. And folks want to take that kind of shame, because that's what it is, that shame and guilt out on somebody else. Many times it comes to the detriment of the, their partners. So it's a really, really complicated kind of um, situation. And for me, like what is important to take away here is the ability, if you will, to really be many things. Is to, as Madison was saying, to define and redefine oneself um, over and over throughout life and, and to learn how to love living in the in-between, as she said, which I take as an understanding um, and engagement and acceptance of one's own multiplicity. And Madison, again, mm -hmm. is, an, is an excellent example of multiplicity as she, you know, is an actor, producer, entrepreneur, you know, musician and activist all at the same time. And there's anybody mm -hmm. to tell um, to tell, to say differently about who she is and all that she can be. And I think that that idea of multiplicity really, really, really makes people afraid because society has locked us into these identity boxes that tells us we can be one thing or two things. Maybe. Right. You know, we can be black and gay. Okay. <laughs> it is a lot in all honesty. It is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so, so me, you know, I, I, yeah. So it's, it's definitely um, one of those kind of things in this kind of society. We have to make more space to understand ourselves as, you know, multiplicitous kind of people. My last question for you now, VCU, that's in Morgantown, right? Um, we're in Richmond, Virginia. You're Richmond, okay. I understood that there are pockets of Virginia, mm -hmm. but just pockets across the country in particular, that when you first think about them, when you first hear them, you think, you know, there is no way this is a welcoming place for mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm. And then a show like We're Here mm -hmm. from HBO comes on, and you see these, these drag queens mm -hmm. come into these small communities, and you see wait a minute, we're there too. We're there too. So my question for you is, what would be the ideal situation, community for for trans people? Mm. Should they be fleeing to these larger urban hubs where there are potentially more resources and obviously a larger community? Or do you believe we're at this place now in society where whether you're trying to pass or not, that there is enough in place where you can find safety and home in smaller spaces around this country? Um, I really appreciate this question as it's really asked, you know, me to um, dream and to envision, you know, what I think could be a um, convincing kind of future for a future vision for what is possible. Because I think so much, so many times we can be so bogged down by the present and the past, what have um, what has been the case that we don't take too much time to think about the future. Now, I will answer the question by saying I actually think that, in my experience, transness is very much a kind of um, experience of fugitivity. Let me tell you what I mean by that. I think that there is a way that, especially being black and trans, there is a way that being black and trans always renders me at odds with the United States, with its logics, with its government, okay, and often with uh, many of the people who live here. So for me, and it goes back to this idea of safety, um, in that there is no safe space. 
that is an illusion. So for me, a kind of fugitive practice is one where I am able to continue to invest in myself and in my community such that I am able to create and be part of a network of folks who are constantly in transition. And when I say that, I mean, I don't just mean physically, but I mean in terms of geography as well, folks who are constantly moving around, right? Because there is no safe space, I I really cannot say that life in a big city is going to be that much better. It certainly will be different than life in a small town, Mm -hmm. but I cannot say that it will be any better. And so what is important though, is being wherever you are, is to ensure that you have a robust kind of community that has been established. And in this day and age, of course, we can establish communities based on um, where we live and proximity, but we can we also have the ability to do that virtually. And I think both mm. are very um, important for folks' survival. And it's also just really important, I think, to really, really, really um, not limit ourselves by geography and certainly not by understanding that we need to be in these kind of meccas to receive all that we need. So um, it's definitely a practice of fugitivity. I am still able to have joy wherever I am. And for me, that is what uh, many folks within the U.S. want to take away from me. They can't believe that I can have joy in living while being black and trans. And so for me, yes, it is a fugitive freedom kind of practice. So you can do that anywhere. What an incredible thought. To be thinking of yourself almost as a fugitive is mm-hmm. both disturbing and, but disturbing for both this reality, but for me, even more disturbing that it's so spot on to the existence that mm. there is no true safe space. That's right. There's safer spaces. Yes. Absolutely. But not safe space. Absolutely. 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 And there has never been safe space for us, um, you know, um, in North America um, ever. And guess what? We still here. We are still here. Stop playing. We are still here. And all. So that tells me that we have developed an assortment of strategies, tactics and tools that allow us to render our own lives meaningful in a world that is hell bent on our annihilation. Dr. Julian Kavan Glover, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your insight, and just giving us here at Life Out Loud a lot more to think about in terms of what it means to extend grace, as well as what does it mean to be trans and not just in the respectability paradigm, but in the larger sense. Thank you, LZ. Um, thank you for this opportunity. I will say, and to you and all those who are listening, particularly my brown and black, trans, queer, non-binary family and siblings, that in the words of the inimitable prince, I wish you heaven. For the next episode of Life Out Loud, we're going to look at how the LGBTQ plus community approaches faith, especially when finding acceptance in the church isn't always easy. The copy of the Bible that I hold in my hand today is the same Bible that I held in conversion therapy. We're talking to actor and activist, Daniel Franzese, and best-selling author Rob Bell. This kind of pain and the desire to be affirmed exists in the space beyond words, like a wordless grace. That's what the heart is asking for. You don't want to miss these two incredible conversations.
Hey, thanks so much for listening. And remember to hit subscribe if you haven't already. And please, please, please tell your friends, your family, your loved ones, your side pieces, your main pieces, anyone who you think could benefit from listening to these incredible stories from these remarkable people. And also, just take a moment to leave us a rating and review. That goes a long way to helping us get the word out. And more importantly, keep going. Life Out Loud with LG Granderson is a production of ABC Audio, produced by my friend Trevor Hastings. Senior producer is Brenda Salinas Baker. Our amazing production team includes David Toledo, Vika Arison, and Carrie Ann Thomas. The executive producer of Life Out Loud is Liz Alessi. A big shout out to Lakia Brown, Joe Moore, Robert Zepeda, Tony Morrison, Josh Cohan, Elizabeth Russo, Ariel Chester, and Stacia Tashisku. I'm Elsie Granderson. This, this is that good, good. good. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.